Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, imagine living in the first century, the early first century, the time when Christ was here on earth. I got to think that would have been one of the most exciting times to be around. I mean, here you are as an Israelite, you're living in your own country, but yet your own country is not your own country because the Roman government is there and they rule with an iron fist and and so you're under their uh, rule, an invading uh, enemy. And so they're living that way and they're wondering, you know, they haven't really had a prophet from the Lord for almost 400 years and, and what's going on? And then this guy, John, who they call John the Baptist because he gets baptized, he begins preaching and there's this stirring in the hearts of God's people and he's challenging them to to be prepared because the Lord is coming and what does he mean? They aren't sure, but he challenges them. And so they're they're beginning to, you know, think about these things. And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And so you hear about this this, this, uh, man who is now going around and teaching and crowds are following him and sometimes he works miracles and and people say, well, who is he? Is is he this person? Is this person? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Christ? And the crowds grow. And and what's interesting to you is that you find out that the religious leaders don't like him very well, which is okay with you because you don't like the religious leaders very well, right? Because of how they are and uh, judgmental and harsh and, and his fame grows and maybe you get a chance to to hear him and see him, and it's, it's really, it's all coming to a head. The, you know, that Passover weekend, in uh, the Passover week, Jesus comes into the, into the place, there's a huge celebration, and, and you're wondering, what's gonna happen? The religious leaders and Jesus, and, and maybe he's the one, and maybe he's the one who actually will overthrow the Romans, and we'll have our country back, and, and people just aren't sure. But then you've also heard that he's saying things like, he's the son of God that he's God in human form. And as a Jewish person, you go, wait a minute, I I can't get my head around that because God's not a a human, he's God. And and so wrestling with that issue, and and then all of a sudden they take Jesus, there's a big trial and what's going on, and then he's killed. He's dead. And all the, the excitement and the hopes and everything just goes, oh, it's gone. A few days later, all of a sudden, you hear a rumor. Somebody says, Jesus is risen. No. But then you hear more. And you hear more. More and more people have seen him. And maybe you even have the opportunity to be one of those 500 that, that saw him at one time. You were there. You actually saw him. Okay, and 40 days after the resurrection, this is going on and there's excitement and this buzz. He's risen. Maybe he really is. He probably really is who he said he was, the son of God. And, and what does that really mean for us in our lives? And, and, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's quiet again. Where are his followers? We don't even know where his followers are. Ten days go by. And then all of a sudden, right there in the middle of Jerusalem, there's this sound of this great and mighty rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit descends upon these uh, disciples, 
who have been together in unity and praying and waiting for the Lord to do what he promised. And, and now they begin to speak in languages they never had learned miraculously. The people from all over the world are there for this feast, the Feast of Pentecost. And they're preaching to them and explaining things to them. And, and by the end of that day, 3,000 people come to understand who Jesus really was, what it really meant in their lives, place their faith in him, and they get baptized. And this is the birth of the church, the birth of the church age. We have been in the church age since that time. So we're closing in on 2,000 years of the church age where God is working in the world through the church. That means through churches like this one here. Churches like Faith Baptist in Auburn. Churches like Greenville Baptist uh, up here in Rochdale. Uh, churches like Bible Way Baptist, okay? Uh, and, and we all have kind of different takes on certain things, but we're all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, but he's, so he's building his church. And we started talking last week then about, well, what is our mission? If this is the church age and it is the church that God is working in the world through, that means he wants to work in the world through who? Us, we who are the church. And by the way, LifeSource Church is an incorporated entity, but I want to tell you, LifeSource Church does not exist apart from us, right? Only on a piece of paper does it exist apart from us. We are the church. And he has given us a mission. And we talked about that. By the way, don't you, wouldn't you like to see God do something like this in our day, the things that we just talked about? And maybe not the exact details. I mean, I tell you what, if, if, if we went from this attendance today to 3,000 next week, <laughs> that'd be a great problem to have. But you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying God's going to do that specific, but the reality that God is at work in our church, we know it, we experience it, we can see it, we can identify it. He's not only at work in us, he's at work through us. We're reaching people with the gospel. We're, we're loving people in the name of Christ to, to provide that credibility for the gospel. All of those things are happening, and people know. People just know that, that God is in that church. They don't know how the answers or what all that means, but God's in that church. You can tell. That would be so exciting, wouldn't it? Now, is um, God limited? In fact, let's go ahead and move to that verse, Stephen, if you would, okay? You know, the scripture says, now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. What can he do? Not just more than we ask or think, but what? Exceedingly abundantly, right? Whether we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Glory in the church by Christ Jesus. And we talked a little about this last week. Our mission is to make disciples. And in so doing, what do we do? This is how we glorify the Lord, right? By doing what he's told us to do. So today we want to get into... Uh, the nuts and the bolts as it is here in, in Life Source Church. We have this big mission. What's it look like here? How do we do it here? And, and we see, here's our commission. Let's remind ourselves. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all the commands I have given you. That's what we're to be doing, making disciples. Okay? Baptizing them, teaching them, becoming disciples. 
We're part of those disciples that are getting made. And all along the way, we what? We surrender to the Lord. We grow to be like the Lord. We tell others about the Lord, okay? And so that's, that's what we're to be doing. Well, what does it look like here, okay? Because every place is different. Every church is different people. We talked about that last week, right? Remember, we all bring different perspectives to this, and how does this go? Well, for well over a year, uh, we had four people in our church who were very burdened about how do we make disciples. And I talked with them, and, and they, they actually they kind of recruited themselves, but we worked together. They, they got together for a year off and on and prayed and talked and and, and uh, did research and made some plans and, and they developed for us our di- discipleship process. Now, the things that we do to make disciples are all here, they're all the same, right, for everybody. But they developed this process so we had a way to talk about what we do and a way to make it very clear what we do. And so they came up with this idea that our disciple-making ministry, they're calling it the path, okay? The path is we're leading people to be faithful followers of Christ, including ourselves, all right? And so that we're all on the path. You get that? So when you receive Christ as Savior, or even maybe right before you receive Christ as Savior, you step up onto the path and and you start down the path. And then we're all on the path together. Some of us are farther down the path than others, but we're all on the path together, okay? And so uh, what we wanna do is look to the scriptures here today, see what, how, how did that first church in Jerusalem go about carrying out the Great Commission? And then we wanna say, so how are we doing it here? And then we wanna ask, what does it require of us? And then we're gonna take a little bit of time at the end to talk about how are we also involved in doing it out there around the world? Because remember, that's part of our responsibility. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40. This picks up kind of where I left off on our story. It says, and with many other words, he, that's the apostle Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's preaching the gospel to them, telling them who Jesus is, what he did, what he accomplished, and what it means in their lives, and you need to respond. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So let's just look at the process here a little bit, right? Jesus said, make disciples. That means you gotta go out and preach the gospel. Those who get saved, what do you do with them? Baptize them, okay, so that's happening here. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let's stop there for just a moment. The word doctrine, when we think of the word doctrine, we typically think of a a statement of beliefs. What's our doctrine about something? And that is a, a legitimate meaning of the word. But the word that's translated doctrine here really means teaching. And really what we believe are teachings, right? But so he says, they, they continued in the apostles' teaching. And what were the apostles teaching them? What do you suppose they were teaching them? How to observe what? All the things that the Lord has commanded us. 
You see, they're carrying out the Great Commission. And we see that there are other things that get included with this. So not only they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, also in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, which most likely includes meals, but probably includes the Lord's Supper as well, and in prayers. So they're doing all these things that the Lord has told them to do as, as followers of his. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This idea of fears, this overwhelming sense of this is God. God is doing this. And, and God also did things that only he could do. Do you suppose if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, that there are some things that only God can do? It's, it's not a trick question. It's not Walt's. You suppose there's some things that... Right. So we need that too. It won't be signs and wonders of apostles because I'm not an apostle. But God will work. And he will do things. And there'll be times when we'll be faced we have to depend on him beyond our ability. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. You have to understand there were people here from all over the world. They, they showed up with a suitcase. I don't know if they had suitcases back then or not. But they showed up with a suitcase. And so now, what are they going to do? Where are they going to live? How are they going to... And so the believers there, they, they took what they had, they sold, they used. And, and so what we see is that the, for the disciples, those who are becoming disciples and making disciples, their resources are available for the work. See that? Okay. All right. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So they're getting saved, they're getting baptized, they're being taught and growing, and the Lord uses them to share the gospel. More people get saved and come onto the path, right? And they, and they be, get baptized, and, they, and, and it just continues. It's just this ongoing cycle. There are people all up and down the path at this point in time. So let's just walk through here um, how this looks in our church, okay? Uh, the first step that uh, our discipleship team figured out here, or want to call it's called joining the journey. And this is the idea. This is for people who do not, have not received Christ, but they're curious. They have questions. They are interested. They need a conversation. They need to be able to have this conversation about who is Jesus and why should it matter to me? Okay? And, and it's the idea of sharing the gospel in multiple ways. Um, but um, one of the ways that, that they particularly want to do it is something that they're calling uh, Jesus talk. And this is where we will have, whether it's a, a class time, an informal class time, or whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whatever, we have a way to have this conversation with people, people that you know who do not know the Lord, but they're interested, you know? You're having a conversation, well, hey, why don't you come to Jesus talk with me? And we're gonna talk about who he is and why that matters in our lives. Okay, so there's a way. We're, we're, we're trying to make disciples of people who are not yet saved, right? To make that 
that first decision. And then certainly on Sunday mornings, our worship, we preach the word. And we preach the word uh, not only here, we preach it out on video live, and then later people can watch it. It's on our audio podcast. We get it out on social media. Okay, so we're trying to get the word out. And this is important because uh, in the book of Acts, it, it talks about this ministry of the word and what it does. In Acts chapter six and verse seven, it says, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples was multiplied greatly. So what do we have to do this idea of reaching people? We gotta get the word out. And there's various ways to do this. Some of that needs to be a, sit and have a conversation. Others need to be a proclamation, okay? And, and then we see that the individual disciples, the members of this church, when they got scattered, they had to leave Jerusalem. Acts chapter eight, it says, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the what? the word, taking the word of God. And for, we're talking about really most of the time explaining to those who don't know the Lord what it means to have a relationship with him. We're sharing the word with them. Now, what happens when someone says, okay, I get it. Jesus is who the Bible says he was. And, and they make a decision to receive Christ as Savior. Well, the next thing that we're going to talk about with them is what we're calling stepping stones, okay? They don't know anything. They know very little. Uh, and so what do we do next? Well, here are the steps that you take. And, and this correlates with um, a man named Apollos in the book of Acts. He, he knew about what John the Baptist had preached about. He didn't know who Jesus was and that Jesus had come, didn't understand that. And two Christians ran into him. Aquila and Priscilla ran into him. And when they heard him speaking, they realized he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't, he didn't know the basic stuff he needed to know and so in Acts 13, it says they, or Acts 18, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And so this is what we do in our stepping stones ministry. We, we take people who are new to their faith and say, okay, here's some things you need to understand. We explain things to them more accurately. And I have the privilege of doing this often, but the reality is, is we need more people than me and my wife to do this. And I think there's plenty of you who'll be willing to do it. And we're gonna give you an opportunity to where you might be able to connect with a newer Christian and, and we'll help you with that and train you in that. But that needs to, to be happening. Don't you think it makes a huge difference when someone comes to Christ, that they have someone who spends two or three months with them you know, weekly and just help them to understand what it means to be a Christian? How many, of, don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would have liked to have had that? Saved you a lot of time and trouble, wouldn't it? Okay, all right. So the third step that, that our discipleship team has come with is called building bridges. And building bridges is the idea of connecting one thing to another, okay? And we're thinking primarily connecting people to people as they walk down this path, getting them together. Right in the middle of our passage here, Acts chapter two and verse 44, it says this. Now all who believed were what? What's the word? Together. Christianity is a together thing. It is not a by myself thing. It's not me and my two best buds thing. It is a together thing. As everybody doesn't have to be together all the time. That's not the point. But uh, it is a together thing. And so in our, our church, what we have in this idea of together, be, we obviously have the worship services. We're together here. But we're trying to build bridges. We want to see bridges built in the body of Christ. And so we offer to you life groups. Life groups where, where you can get together and, and do the things that they were doing here. They were spending time together. They were eating together. They were praying together. They were studying the word together. They were uh, encouraging one another. They, on and on it went. And, 
That's church family, isn't it? Now I'm saying to you, if you want to experience church family the way the Lord wants you to experience church family, you need to be in a life group or something like it. All right? Don't go away today and say, Walt says, God says I have to be in a life group. Walt didn't say that because the Bible doesn't say that. But it does say you need those relationships. And life groups are a great way to have that relationship. And if you aren't in one, then you've got to figure out how do I do this on my own, okay? So let me encourage you to take advantage of it, be a part of that. There's another way. Sometimes, you know, life groups, for whatever reason, may not work in your life at this time. But we have Life Source U, and those are eight-week sessions of courses where we open the Word of God. You're not by yourself. You're with other Christians. And we're opening the Word together, and we're looking and talking about it, and we're growing. Not just growing in our knowledge of the Word, but we're also still getting to know each other. See, there's this building of bridges. Let me encourage you to take advantage of that. And then every so often we offer our Discovering Life Source Church class, which tells people what it means to be a member. What are the responsibilities of membership? What are the privileges of membership? Encouraging them to do what? Make that connection to the body of Christ. And then the fourth uh, step that they put in, these, now these aren't really steps, I shouldn't say that. It's the fourth aspect of being on the path, and that's hiking higher. What happens if you've been saved, you've been baptized, you understand the basis of the Christian faith and now you're living your Christian life, so you're done becoming a disciple? No, you're not done becoming a disciple. And what we find is that everything that happens after this are, are people who are still growing and still going and, and following Christ, being disciples, making disciples. It's everything that happens after this. And that's where most of our Christian lives get lived. And what we need in this area of our life is the attitude that the Apostle Paul had. When he says, not that I have already, go ahead and put that, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Say, I'm going forward, right? I haven't arrived. That I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. So if you are a mature Christian, what that means, you should be a growing Christian. Well, wait a minute, I'm already mature. Got to keep growing. You need to keep. And, and so what we do for this is from time to time we might have focused Bible studies. Uh, we have uh, conferences sometimes that are available to help you with that. Uh, mentoring, we want to get some mentoring relationships going. And, and counseling. You know what happens in your Christian life? And then you get stuck. You get stuck in life, don't you? They just do. And we need some counseling sometimes. Someone who, by the way, counsel, Christian counseling is about making disciples, growing disciples, okay? And so this is the hiking higher. And, and it all kind of boils down to this, this whole idea of the path that we are, you want to be becoming a disciple who is making disciples. Becoming a disciple, we're all still becoming. We're all still in the process. And that means we need to open up our lives to other people to help us with that. We, we need that. We need to be looking. Who can help me? What is this group can help me? This and be looking for that. But not only that, being a disciple is also about making disciples. You are helping others to become followers of Christ. People who don't know the Lord, you're reaching out to them. People who do know the Lord. You know what happens? You can, Dave and I prayed about this, this this morning, that when you come in to, to worship together like this Sunday, that you wouldn't come in and just, hi, here I am, that you would come in and actually be alert, uh, looking around and saying, God, who, who do you want me to connect with here? Who do you want me to encourage? 
Or maybe I need to be encouraged, right? Who, who's going to encourage? But, but we, we're mindful of those things. You see, we're all on this path, aren't we? Okay? And you're going to be hearing about that more and more. And we want all of us to be consciously on the path. So what does it take for us to succeed at this here? First of all, let me just say this to you. Because of, we had a number of things go on here today, and uh, we wanted Dan to lead as many songs as he wanted to for us, we're going to run a little late. Okay? If you need to leave, that's okay. If you can hang in there, please do. All right, what does it take then? So we kind of said, here's, here's the Great Commission. Here's kind of the way we're talking about it in our church. Here's things we're trying to do to, to make this a reality in our church. So what does it take for us to succeed at this? Well, the first one really ought to just obviously be a duh thing for us, but our dependence on the Lord, Right? Jesus is very clear in John 15, and we can find this multiple places in the scripture. What can we accomplish of eternal significance apart from him? What's the word? Nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. No, we need to abide in him, draw close to him, depend on him. And so for all of this to happen, you know, because we start talking about plans and activities and all that kind of stuff, let's never forget that the foundation for all of that and the overarching above it is depending on God. We need the Lord to work, okay? And we try to follow his leading in these things. But the second thing is this. Our active, conscious, purposeful engagement and participation in the mission of the church, which is what? Our mission. But active, purposeful, conscious engagement with that and participating. So so what do I mean by that? Well... Okay, I gotta talk to you today as your pastor, okay? I mean, always your pastor, but I just wanna talk to you as your pastor here for a little bit. Um, First thing is this, let me tell you what I believe about you. I believe every person here who knows Christ, those of you who know Christ, which may be all of you, maybe not, but every one of you who knows Christ, deep down in your heart, you want to be the kind of Christian God wants you to be. You really do. You want your life to be what God wants it to be. You want to fulfill the purposes for which he created you for, okay? I I know that about you. That's the yearning deep down inside of you. But what happens is that life gets messy and gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? And we learn to respond to life in certain ways and we get distracted and all these things start to happen, okay? So When I'm talking about this active, conscious, personal engagement, the first thing I want to say to you is that you need to decide. It's a decision. You need to decide to be aware of what's going on in your church. To know what's happening. To pay attention. All right? Because I I know what happens, because we've experienced it time and time again. Dave and I talk about how do we overcome this. But we talk about something. We talk about an event. Let's say we talk about trunk or treat. And and, and maybe there's a whole bunch of you who really want to sign up for this, but you aren't what? You're not paying attention. You're busy. And oh, yeah, I didn't think about it. And what I want to say to you is that when you, you need to approach your church relationship like this, that when something comes up, there's something shows up in the bulletin, uh, or you, hear, you see it up here, or it's announced, or you see it on social media that you go, wait, wait, okay, I need to know that. I need to remember that. That needs to go on my calendar, which probably means some of you need to have a calendar, right? But do you understand what I'm saying? 
It's about paying attention. I don't know how many times we've done something and an event has gone by and somebody a little later will say, hey, when are we doing? <laughs> oh, we're doing that two weeks ago. <laughs> okay? But it's about really focusing in, paying attention. Then it's about being prayerful. Oh, we need to pray. Every time your church comes to mind, would you pray that God would work? That he would just do a work in us? Not that we'd be a piece of work, but that he would do a work. Okay? Uh, pray. And then participate, active participation uh, in this process. Um, there's certain things, you know, let me just give you an example. Worship, worship attendance, okay? Coming to worship together. There is something that happens uh, when we come to worship together that happens nowhere else. And that's this body of Christ coming together to worship the Lord of this body of Christ with the other people who are part of the body of Christ. And so something unique always happens here. It's not always bells and whistles or fire or, you know, it is, but, but God said he would work, didn't he? When we gather together. Okay, so something special happens uh, that does not happen to those of you who are watching online. And we're glad you're watching online. But it doesn't, the same thing doesn't happen for them. Now let me tell you, this summer I did a little survey. I went through and, and I actually kept track of every person who attended worship for six weeks running from July into August, so full, full on summer, okay? And uh, what I noticed is that 241 people are attending our church. Or there were some people who, there were 20 people who didn't make it any, even once during those six weeks but we know them, they're connected with our church. They would consider this their church. Um, 51 who attended every service. Now, if everybody here who was able to, the, those who attended perfectly couldn't, but if everybody else who attends our church had attended just one more service, just one more, we'd have had well over 30 more people here in attendance every Sunday. Now, there's more than 30 seats available here, but I guarantee you if we put those 30 in here, we're gonna feel like we're pretty full, aren't we? But it's not about the numbers. It's not about the chairs. What it is is about more than 30 people being present when God is building his church. You see that? And so, you know, the challenge to you is to, and let me say to you, that if everybody who's attending this church, uh, not counting guests, okay, if everybody who's attending this church on some basis, um, this next year, the next 12 months, would say, you know what? I am going to be here, I'm going to be here, the most I'm going to miss is eight weeks. Does eight weeks sound like a lot to miss in a year? Some of you, it probably doesn't. To me, it does. But vacations, you know, being sick, and in some cases, special occasion events that you just need to be gone. Everybody gets that. But if we have eight, if we have eight, we'd have over 200 people here every Sunday without reaching another person. Wouldn't, wouldn't that change what we experience in worship? I mean, it just does, it matters. The fact that we are present, and, and it isn't just about being present, and this is not a rule, right? Not legal, I said, not saying you gotta be in church every time, or you're not right with God, don't say that. I'm just saying, this really matters. What we're doing here really matters. Uh, like I told you, life, source, life groups, life source you, the things that happen there, 
If, if you're not part of that, you have to figure out how do I do that in my life and try to figure it out. But let me ask you a question. Whether it's, it's being in worship or whether it's being part of a life group or whether it's being in a life source you class or all of the above, whatever. When you're not doing that, what is it that's more important that's going on in your life than those things? And there can be. I mean, God may have you someplace else doing something. There may be things that are out of your control you can't fix. This is not something, please hear me, it's not something we're gonna look around and say, oh, you weren't here last week, Tim. You know? we're not gonna, that's not what we're about. But I'm just, as your pastor, telling you, look at your life and say, wait a minute, you know, I only made it two times during that six-week session this summer. What, what was I doing? What, what was so important that I didn't come to worship with the body of Christ? You see what I'm saying? Take that to heart. And when Dave and I prayed for you guys this morning, I prayed just said, God, if they would just, whatever the outcome is, if, if people would just stop and say, wait a minute, God, what do you want me to do? That would be huge, right? Because sometimes it's so easy just to zip along in life and not be thinking, wait a minute, wait, wait, I need to stop and say, God, what do you want me to do here? Okay? And then we need to all be involved in serving some way, you know, helping things to happen. We all need to be consciously involved in thinking, who can I reach? Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I be a witness to? And we got sermons coming up to help you with that in the very near future. Who could I be inviting if we have a special event and, and being a part of that, right? See, that's just, this is what it takes. It is this idea of we surrender to the Lord. We grow to be like the Lord. We tell others about the Lord, okay? This is what we need to be doing, and doing it consciously. All right. And I want to say to you that if we get serious about doing the mission that God has given us to do, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think and be glorified in this church. What an exciting thing to be part of a church where God is known and glorified. That's what I want. I, I'm not wanting something from you for me. I'm not asking you to help me accomplish something. Let's be the church that God wants us to be. Now, um, we saw last week that the Bible says not only are we supposed to do it here, we're supposed to do it where? There, out there around the world, too. We're supposed to be involved. How, what does that look like? Well, it looks like pretty much the same thing here. Uh, they don't necessarily call what they're doing the path. It isn't that kind of detail, but the same thing. This is getting the gospel out, winning people to Christ, baptizing them, teaching them, so they also reach out, right? They're, be, they're becoming disciples who are making disciples. Uh, okay, so that's the same thing. But how do we get involved with that? Well, same way we do it here. First is our dependence on the Lord. God, we need you to work in our missionaries' lives. We need you to prepare the hearts of people out there. We need you to provide their needs. We, we want you to empower them. Um, and, and then the second idea is uh, same thing. We need to actively, consciously, purposefully engage and participate in this mission when it comes to missionaries. Well, how do we do this? Well, we need to become aware, okay? We need to become aware of what's going on. And, and then we need to be prayerful. Same thing we talked about being here. We need to be praying for them. 
You know, missionaries come. Do missionaries need money most of the time? Yeah, they need money most of the time. But the, I know many of these missionaries personally have come to know them personally, and they are people of integrity, and they say something to me, and they mean it, and they said, if we have to choose between your money and your prayers, we will choose your prayers. And you know, this sentiment of the Apostle Paul had that sentiment, right? Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The Apostle Paul, greatest missionary ever, pray for me. Pray for me that I can do what I'm supposed to do that I need to do. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're closing in on the end here, so hang in there with me if you would. And this is just, all this stuff is really important because if we miss this and don't do this, then why are we here? Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 15. This is the Apostle Paul talking to people who have supported him in his ministry. He says, verse 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Okay? So the Philippians were sending money to Paul so that he could do what he was doing on the mission field. And that's what we do. We support missionaries like that. We send money out each month to a number of missionaries to meet their necessities so they can keep preaching. So this is what they're doing. Now let me show you what Paul says about this. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Do you understand what he just said? If he's telling, I'm just going to apply it right to us. If you give money out of a willing heart to support missionaries, when reckoning day comes, and you can look at this, all these people who were reached and lives changed by this missionary, this ministry, who else's name is on that list? Yours. Mine. Fruit that abounds to our account. It goes on our account. We get to be a part of that. Verse 18, indeed I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus, that was the Philippians representative, the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And so again, the people who are giving to support the missions efforts out there, God is pleased. God is honored. Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you say, you know what, I'm going to engage this and I'm going to support missionaries, I'm going to do that, it says here, God will supply your need. I've been given to missions for over 40 years and it's just been nothing but a blessing to me. Never once have I wished that I had that money for something else. What a blessing to be able to be a part of this. And so uh, giving to missionaries, and this is just very practical, something you wouldn't know in our church uh, unless you've been around long enough to be aware of it. And that's that you have your regular giving that you do, that goes to the, meet the needs of the ministry here. But then if you're going to give the missions, you have to give over and above that. So you need to figure out between you and God what he wants you to be giving to the church on a regular basis. And then, Lord, what would you have me 
give to missions, and then give that way. And, and our prayers and our giving does make a difference. Next week we have one of our veteran missionaries to Bangladesh. What a tough place to serve. And he's going to be here and preach to us about the mission. And I'm excited about that. But we've had an opportunity to be a part. And if, if, if you begin giving, you'll be a part of that too for missions. But here's what we're looking at. Here's what our options are. When, when life comes, when this world comes to an end, right, and we find ourselves standing before the Lord, here's what we're, we will see and experience. And hang in there, we're all but done. In Revelation, it says this. It says, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's missions, isn't it? Out of every part of the world, you've redeemed people. And we will have a part in that. And be in heaven and look and see all these people, all these different people in different places, different races, different languages, and they're saved, and we had a part in it. Oh, that's exciting. Or, later in Revelation, it talks about a different group, every tribe, tongue, and nation whose names have not been written in the book of life. Those who didn't hear the gospel and get saved. Those who didn't come to know the Lord. And so if we don't participate, we're investing in the second one, aren't we? If we invest and participate, we're investing in the first one. And it's not just about giving. It's about going as well. Sometimes we have missions trips on occasion. Uh, men and any of you ladies who want to go along, we have a roof rescue that we're involved with going to help a church out in Pittsfield. You know, that's a way to go and be a part of doing it out there. All right, I've, I've talked a long time and said a lot of stuff. The idea is that, that God has given us a mission. And it's not just a mission where, oh, we've got to do all this stuff. No, it's, it's what God wants to do. And when, when you see Jesus building the church, it is exciting, and you will say, why did I ever not give my life to this before? Right? I promise you, you will never regret yielding to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you've led us here as a church, Lord, to try to apply your word. And we stay open, Lord, ready and willing to change anything that you would show us needs to be changed to accomplish your, your mission here, Lord. And I pray that each and every one of us will buy into this, uh, not buy into what we're doing, but buy into what you're doing and give our hearts and lives to it. Please transform us, Father, as a church. We want you to be glorified here, to be known here. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It's a lot of stuff. Would you just think about it and ask God to show you, what decision do I need to make this week? God bless you.